0: Listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. One of the coolest things that I, I like is like when I get messages from people who say that um, they found out about a certain band or a certain record from listening to the show. Like uh, what comes to mind is that Skin Yard episode. I mean, to me, they're a household name, but I understand that to a lot of other people out there, they might not have never heard of that band. I got a mix of some older bands and some newer bands and uh, you know, some brand new band, a really brand new band actually, which is cool. And uh, a friend of mine happens to be in that band. So uh, let's start off with that. There's a band called Cavera. They're from LA. And uh, they just put out their first album, self titled. And uh, my buddy Mateo uh, plays drums in that band. And uh, he is a former member of 16, as well as Buzz Oven, a band that you and I covered a couple episodes back. Yes. And, yeah. And um, two great bands. Yeah, totally, man. You know, and Bobby uh, Ferry was a guest on this show. From 16, uh, a couple episodes back. Right. And uh, they have a new record out. And Mateo's got a new record out with his brand new band, Kavera. And uh, you can check out their record, go directly to Bandcamp. And that's K E V E R R A. And um, yeah, because, you know, it's funny. Uh, I talked about them on Everything Went Black, which is my other podcast, or one of my other podcasts that I do. And uh, I mentioned them, and uh, this dude, messaged me and he's like how do you spell it you know c-a you know whatever i'm like oh yeah it's uh <laughs> you should probably spell yeah. that out for people so they can find the band you know
1: well the funny thing is uh you know we're trying to turn some people on maybe some different stuff i was turned on to Kavara from listening to your everything in black episode yeah um so that's how that's how i became aware of them and then uh you know i got the record Amazing record, and uh, I messaged a few times with Mateo, real cool dude. We swapped records, you know, my my band's record for his his band's record, and uh, I discovered a great band from listening to your other podcast, yeah, you know?
0: yeah, totally, man. And, and um, yeah, it's it when I listened to that record, I thought it would be right up your alley, man, because it's it's like you can hear totally. you know, strains of like today is the day in there, uh, you can hear um, like this very unique. Not, it's not really Doom, but it's like there's a slow, heavy vibe to the whole record, you know? And, yeah, uh, definitely, it, man. It's something I thought you'd really enjoy, so I'm glad, you, I'm glad you checked it out.
1: Yeah, I checked it out immediately, man. Re- really great. Great record. I, you know, I
0: hope they do more. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, the cool thing about Mateo is I remember meeting him when um, Mattoombs toured with 16 years and years ago. And uh, he flew out to New York and um, I picked him up at the airport. I think I picked him up at the airport. I'm trying to remember how this actually came. Maybe I met him at the subway. Anyway, we met up after he flew into New York. I'd never met this guy before. <laughs> it's just like, you know, him and uh, this dude, Eric Larson, who, uh, who's in ton- he been in tons of bands, Eric Larson. He was in, you know, like Alabama oh, Thunder yeah. Pussy. He was in Avail. He was in massive amounts of bands. And... Larson great. was the guy who drove us on the tour because we didn't have a van. And uh, so I got these two guys. I knew Larson a little bit, but I'd, ne- I'd never met Mateo before. And uh, all, three, all three of us stayed at my place that night. And I remember we went out to get uh, Mexican food at the late, great Papacito's in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Uh, now it's uh, completely shut, closed. And uh, this restaurant that I don't like. Uh, took it over so (laughs) I'm not going to talk about that but uh (laughs) don't give them a plug I won't give them a plug but uh yeah anyway Mateo cool guy we got a chance to hang for that whole uh two-week tour and uh we just stayed in touch and he sent me sent me a copy of this and I was like man this record is like more people should check this band out and hopefully when this uh pandemic subsides enough to start playing live shows uh, some of you guys can go check them out if they, you know, they head out on the road. So keep your eye out for Cervera, K-E-V-E-R-R-A. So my
1: first pick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to an old band, a band called Engine Kid from Seattle, Washington. They were uh, formed in the early 90s, 91, 92, around there, and uh, put out a few records. Uh, A few EPs in the early 90s, uh, probably the most notable one 1993, the Astronaut EP, which was on CZ Records.
0: Yeah, connection Um, to Skin Yard. That's, uh, you know, Daniel House's uh, label that he ran, definitely.
1: Right. Um, All the dots connect
0: here on these episodes. Yeah. Some way, somehow, they all connect. There's a pattern. There's this pattern connecting everything. Uh, There's another pattern with this band, uh,
1: Around their 1993 uh, debut album, Bear Catching Fish, uh, also on CZ Records, that was the first time I got to see the band live. Uh, they were doing a U.S. tour with uh, a band called the Caspar Brotsman Massacre. Um, another band who should probably be on this list. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it. But the other dot we're connecting here is I've seen them two nights in a row on that tour. The first night was in Providence, Rhode Island. The second night was in Boston. Uh, Massachusetts at the Middle East Club, which we talk about a lot on these episodes. Um, and I met some guy that night that was playing guitar in that opening band on that show. You know who that guy is? Aaron Turner. No, it be you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my source introduction to Michael Hill and playing guitar in the band Otis which was the opening band on that bill. Do you remember that show?
0: I do, because I, I'm a huge Casper Bratzman fan. And um, it's funny, because around that... I still have the shirt that I bought at that show, actually. I got oh, this nice. uh, really cool long-sleeve Casper Brodsman Massacre shirt. And, uh, you know, at the time, as you could probably tell from the band that you saw me playing, uh, I was, uh, re- you know, big into helmet at the time. And uh, Paige I Hamilton... I a little helmet there. Yeah, Paige Hamilton and... You know, I mean, Casper Brotsman and Paige Hamilton actually went on to do a solo record or a collaborative, you know, collaborative record together. And um, I have that. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. And I remember he yeah. was like uh, extolling the Casper Brotsman massacre. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, Paige Hamilton, you know, really big fan of Helmet. Let me check out Casper Brotsman. And, dude, it's it was it went way beyond anything I expected as far as, um, you know, how how awesome it was and uh so when right. when the um offer came around for us to open that show i was like hell yeah definitely you know not only will i get a chance to you know my and the, the band that I, the band otis I'd, i was in had only really been around for i don't know probably uh you know less than a year at that time maybe six months so it was a good show for us to do and uh i'm like yeah i get to play live you know i get to see a band that i'm really interested in and uh you know, it, was, it was pretty awesome. I gotta say though, <laughs> I, w- I wasn't really that uh that into engine kid. You know, I'm not a big fan of them. But you know,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I know we've, we've discussed this before. Um, which is it's odd to me, but hey, man, everyone's got their you know their own take on things. Uh, I actually, it's funny. I went to both of those shows because I was already a huge engine kid fan, mm-hmm. and discovering I didn't even know Caspar Brosnan was, and you know leaving both those shows with my jaw on the floor, I became an instant huge fan of them as well. Um, so it was really cool to get turned on to a completely new band by going to you know, be a fan of one of the opening bands and then getting turned on to the headline there. It was, it was a pretty cool uh, experience. You know, I, became a, I was a huge Engine Kid fan um, after that, and then they, they put out a, uh, an album on Revelation Records in 1994 called Angel Wings, uh, it was a double album, and the fact that they're on revelation, which is primarily especially back then, a strictly hardcore label, I think they kind of got lost in the shuffle and uh, didn't really get appreciated by a, a lot of people that I think would have dug that band if they would have been more at home on like touch and go or amphetamine reptile or something like that. You yeah know? Um, I see that. you know they're they influenced heavily as they would probably tell you themselves from like uh, early Melvins, but also Bands like Slint, uh, Codeine, Silkworm, bands kind of like that. And uh, uh, Engine Kid really turned me on to the like, kind of loud, quiet dynamic in music. You know, I don't think I really thought much about it before Engine Kid. They would have these crushingly heavy, loud parts, and then go to these super, super quiet, like Slint kind of parts and I thought that was really cool. And then, you know, they were kind of my gateway to getting into bands like, uh, slint codeine and stuff like that, which, you know, I like that kind of stuff.
0: Um, i was saying that was kind of a thing in the nineties. I remember the loud quiet thing. That was like a big, uh, big stylistic, right. uh, statement, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were kind of my gateway to that though. I wasn't really familiar with like that dynamic so much before I got into engine kit, you know? Um, I mean, probably the most notable thing with Engine Kid is, you know, the singer-guitar player who formed Engine Kid was Greg Anderson, who went on to be the founder of Southern Lord Records, and the band Sun, and Goat Snake, and Thor's Hammer, and the list goes on and on of of bands and projects that Greg Anderson has been involved with through the years. And the cool thing is, Engine Kid kind of lay dormant for years and years. I think they split up in 1997, and just recently. Uh, a band camp page has gone up for Engine Kid, and it has uh, both their full-length albums uh, remastered on there for uh, pay-what-you-want, you you know? So in other words, you can get them for free, or you can throw them a few bucks, you know? And I think they donate the money to some good causes. But both the remastered jobs sound incredible. Uh, If anyone was a fan of them and has those original recordings, this is a definite improvement. And if you've never heard of Engine Kid... And you like heavy, weird, noisy music? Go to their bandcamp page and and check them out.
0: Maybe I should revisit them. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's weird you don't like it. But like, hey, well, man. Maybe all right, really, right all know, right, hold not, on a second. Be true. On. Slow, slow down, there, guy. I didn't say I didn't <laughs> like it. I just said I wasn't the biggest <laughs> fan of the band. Like, I was like, it's not like I don't like. It. I don't. Like, if you put them on, I wouldn't be like, oh, this sucks. No, not by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they're a bad band. It's just something that I never really go to. And I don't, like, I I have angel wings, but I never listen to it because I'm just like, eh, you know, it doesn't really grab me. But I think uh, Thor's Hammer is probably the best thing that uh, Greg Anderson's done, you know, in my opinion. I love the Thor's Hammer stuff.
1: Me too. I mean I'm a big fan of everything he's pretty much done, you know. Uh, I love Ghost Snake. I'm a big goat snake fan. Um I'm a son I'm a huge Sun fan, although I, I enjoy them more live than recorded. You know, it's not something I throw on very often. But uh their shows are, 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 are a trip. They're fun to go to. It's a whole different thing and they've evolved so much over the years. Um yeah, you should revisit uh, Engine Kid, man. I think you might I think you might dig it more than more than you think you do. You know?
0: You know, it's funny. Uh it's- after you and I were driving back and forth to New Jersey, all that, you know, the, for band practice, you know, I kind of, you, you would play Sun in the, in the car, and I'm like, uh, kind of came around to them, because that was another band that I just was like, I never really took them that seriously until uh, I really dug into some of their records, and now I actually listen to Sun quite a bit. Oh, cool, man. I mean, cool. I know that yeah, I'm in the good. minority of people i know everyone worships that band but i now i actually like them and i'm kind of excited about at some point in my in the the dim future uh (laughs) (laughs) being able to see them maybe you know so we'll see yeah to me it's all about the live show
1: with that i've seen them a lot and every time i've seen them they've gotten better and the show has gotten better the presentation's gotten better um it's just evolved into this really, really cool thing. You know, it's kind of more than just like a live rock show. It's like this. It's like a whole vibe. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. That's cool. Um, yeah, man. Engine Kid. I hope they. I hope this leads to something more. There's more material out there that they could remaster and re-release. There's a bunch of singles they did, and uh, I think there's some unreleased material. Who knows? Maybe, they'll, maybe they would play live when bands can play live again someday. Uh, but, yeah, man, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, Angel Wings has been a favorite record of mine, maybe even a top 10 record of mine. Wow. The whole time. Huh. That's yeah, that's how uh, strongly I feel about engine. Kid. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man. But they got a new, new Bandcamp page with those two full links. Uh, really, you can just check them out for free. You don't have to buy anything, but they're great. So, what do you got?
0: Well, now that you got me thinking... Uh, I wanna mention Casper Bratzman Massacre because that's a band that uh it might be like they're they're very left of center, you know, and it's there. not like the kind of music you put on, you know, when you're getting pumped up to go out on a Friday night and stuff, you know what I mean? It's it's something that's uh it's like thinking man's music, I guess, you know. And Casper Brotzman is the son of uh jazz saxophone player Peter Bratzman and um right. who also has like a, a huge discography of material out there, this avant-garde jazz music. So, you know, Casper has that approach to rock music, and the uh, the best. It's like I guess if um, to make draw comparisons, I I would say that Casper Massacre reminds me of if Jimi Hendrix was in the Swans. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> yeah, man, I it's funny like because you know, he has these wild you know, explorations on the guitar and then there but there's also this like ex- very oppressive like kind of slower vibe to the music. You know, it's very repetitive.
1: Yeah. It's like a pounding, like a like a grinding. It's not industrial, but it has that kind of like more early era swans feel i guess you know um, yeah yeah it's very very primitive and the guitar is just wild and it, it's heavy but maybe not in a traditional sense people think of heavy um it's pretty it's pretty amazing i mean we definitely should have probably included them and one more tie back to Engine and greg anderson and all that besides that tour you know where we got introduced on uh it's just recently Southern Lord reissued the whole Caspar Broughton masker catalog on really? vinyl and
0: CD. I yeah. had no idea about that. That's awesome. Dude, I got, yeah, all five full links
1: have been remastered for on, on vinyl and CD. I have four of the five. I just got to get the last
0: one. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I, yep. That's news to me, man. That's great. Yeah, Absolutely. I revisited those records for the first time in years
1: because I never had great copies or I don't have originals of or those. They're hard to find, but, you know, so Southern Lord stepped up and reissued all five of them, man. So they're out there. They're available now.
0: They are must have records, I think. There's an older band that I want to call up here. It's called Red Harvest. Have you ever heard of them?
1: I've he- you know, I heard of them, sure, but I am not that
0: familiar with them. You know, it's funny because there's that name comes up every now and then. And, uh, you know, people, a lot of people have heard of Red Harvest, but are like, I, I couldn't name a song or a record, right? So Red Harvest is, uh they, they formed like back in 1989 and they're from Oslo, Norway. And according to uh, some of the information that's out there, they're still active, even though they haven't put a record out in like 13 years. But uh, I read this okay. interview where they were saying like, well, you know, that we don't have any reason to break up, you know, so we're going to stay stay a band and maybe we'll put out a new record. Maybe we won't. So I like that. I, I like that vibe actually, you know. I should have taken that advice about 19 different times in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, they're interesting because, because they started out like so long ago in the 80s. Their first couple of things have this like, like thrash they're a thrash metal band as a matter of fact they started yeah. out as a slayer tribute band and um uh one of their earlier lps uh no Man's land that that style is on full force display of like that late 80s thrash with like you know all, all the you know all the things you'd expect and then even the vocals the vocals are these those kind of like you know high pitched like you know like overkill style vocals on the record and uh right right and i'm like and then in 94 they put out a record called there's beauty in the purity of sadness and um they they went into this whole other direction uh they started using electronics and became like more like industrial you know I, I, that word gets thrown around but i think in this case they're I would I would call that, that record the beginning of their industrial metal era, you know where there was a lot of you know gothic sections and synths and you know that was the beginning of that and they had a video for a song called Wounds which uh, actually got play on MTV. And uh,
1: was that record on
0: Relapse? No, no, I, I don't, I don't. None of their records are on Relapse. However, Relapse might have like reissued something by them, but okay, I found out about them back when tombs was on relapse we went into the office we were playing in um philly and we went into the office and that was back in the days when the warehouse everything was in one spot and uh whenever whenever i'd go there i'd buy something or they you know i'd get free stuff or promos and all that stuff and the red harvest record was something that i ended up getting at relapse and the record that i got that day was cold dark matter and I was like, you know, I, I never even heard of him before. And I was like, man, this sounds like cold, dark matter, you know, Red Harvest. This sounds like my kind of shit. So, right. and I was like, yeah, it's, it, I was exactly right. I guessed right. And, um, you know, over the years they work with a bunch of different uh, labels, you know, Season of Mist put out their, their most recent record. A Greater Darkness came out on Season of Mist and uh, Candlelight. Um, actually Candlelight released like a three disc box set that has uh it's called Anarchos Divine and that it has uh Cold Dark Matter on it uh Sick Transit Gloria Mundi and um Internal Punishment Programs those are three great records so if you can find okay. that box set and it's a re- that those three records you kind of can't go wrong with them for that that's like them at their prime in my opinion you know even even though a Greater Darkness is actually really good. I, I listened to that quite a bit, actually. And uh Yeah, it's like it what comes to mind with this band is um there's that Fields of the Nephilim record that came out that no one likes by them called uh Zune. And um and it's actually technically it's the Nephilim. It's not Fields of the Nephilim, it's like some short lived offshoot technically that Carmel Coy had and that was like they're dabbling in industrial metal so
1: i love that record
0: and that's kind of what red harvest reminds me of it's like that record right. but kind of extrapolated over an entire career and but also there's um they, they expand like there's they have a couple of different styles that they, they they kind of lace into that that sound like there's like progressive stuff there's you know, some black metal kind of stuff, you know, being Norwegians, you know, that that seems uh, obvious, you know, but they, when they lean heavily into the goth, like industrial stuff, that's when I really, really like lock into their music. You know, really cool bands.
1: Yeah, I mean, all right. I'm not going to say I need to revisit them, like you need to revisit Engine Kid. I need to check them out, period, because I have way off base with, I don't know know if I've ever heard them. I know the name, but I always would get, that band confused with a band from Massachusetts called the Red Chord. Apples and orange. Who? Another band that I know the name, but
0: I also, I think they're a metalcore band.
1: I don't even know what the Red Chord sounds like. I just assume they're a metalcore band. I could be completely wrong, and I apologize if I am.
0: Yeah, no, they're great. And uh, they got a lot of records. And also, uh, they've been around for for a minute, you know. <laughs> it's like, they started out completely different. It's like actually all their stuff is on Apple music except for that first record. And they probably were okay. like, well, you know, we don't, this is not how we want people to think of us. So, I mean, it's cool. We're right, right. just not very, it's like, you can tell it's the, um, you know, the, the early beginnings of a band that are just sort of playing a style. And especially knowing that they were a Slayer tribute band, you know?
1: Sure. Sure. Um, uh, all right, I gotta do my homework on uh, Red Harvest. I was way off base on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have another old band. Uh band called Glazed Baby. from New- Formed in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And uh, around 1991, and they were active till like 1997, 98. Um... Are you ever a fan or you
0: know anything about glaze baby do i yeah of course they're great i I used to love seeing them yeah. play man when I lived in boston they they were connect- they did uh so a lot of dates at la gratona they I've seen them play with today is the day I've seen them play like many many times right. over the years
1: yeah I got introduced to them <clears throat> my my band cable in the early days we did a seven inch on this label from uh Rhode Island called Atomic Action Records who are still functioning today and and still good friends of of mine. They put out a uh, 7-inch EP by uh, Glaze Baby called The Handgun EP. And I had no idea who these guys were. You know, I never heard them, never heard the name. Uh, I was more, back then, kind of just transitioning out of, like, more traditional hardcore to a little bit darker kind of stuff, more noise rock kind of stuff. Um... And when I, heard, when I first heard that EP, I was like, yeah, this is this is really cool. And it was real different from a lot of stuff I was checking out. But then I seen them live. And they just blew me away. They were an incredible live band, an incredibly loud band
0: for a trio.
1: Yeah. I remember <laughs> the like drummer being a tr- really good, too. Oh, yes, man. Dale Cunningham's a drummer. And I'm not sure if Dale even still plays. Last I heard, he was up in, like, Maybe Maine, or New Hampshire, and he was like uh, farming, organic farming or something. Uh, but he was an, incredible, an incredibly interesting unorthodox drummer, too. You know, uh, Sort of like in the category of maybe like a Brad Elrod from the early Today's Today games.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, yeah, real, real powerhouse. He was actually supposed to drum for, for Cable on a tour we did in 1998, but had to bail out at the last minute. Um, that would have been fun, interesting uh, tour with him on drums. Um, but that's how I became, you know, interested in that band. And I've seen them many, many times through the years. You know, you mentioned another band, Gratona, from Boston, who's also a band that should be on this list.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, they like should definitely.
1: Sorely underappreciated band, incredible band. And members, you know, were in cool bands before them and went on to spawn real cool bands after, after, uh, Logratona you know, like, uh, like Keel Hall, for instance. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so Lagratona is another band. I, I think Lagratona also has a band camp that's active with all their material up there. If people want to check out Logratona do that too,
0: for sure. The other thing about uh, Lagratona too, is they, um, Mark, uh, Thompson, who ran Tortuga Records, which was like in the same, you know, kind of like world as Hydrahead, uh, you know, Mark right. also worked at Hydra Head with Aaron Turner, and it was kind of his, like, personal label, and they put out a discography of all of La Gratona's material, uh, like a double CD, you know, thing. And uh, That's that, great. you know, I mean, that that might be the band camp or that you, you see, possibly. Um, or if you can find the, uh, the double CD of that, that would be really cool to have, you know. <laughs> I think... Those CDs are out of print,
1: I'm pretty sure, but the Bandcamp page does have that CD on it, I mean, yeah. you know, all the tracks. And then it has two other releases, too. One, I think, was the album they did, yeah, and then maybe like a singles collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all that material is up on the... La Gritona, Bandcamp. I don't think the CDs are available anymore, but I could be wrong. You might find some out there somewhere. But that's a great collect. That collection has everything on it, yeah. I believe, right?
0: Except for the LP, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's... um. That's something that you're just going to have to find somewhere. Like if you're out at a record store, it might show up, you know. And uh, right. I actually wrote the liner notes for it, too. <laughs> Which is... Oh, uh, no, you did? No yeah. kidding. Cool, cool. Yeah you know I was um, really good friends with those guys too well, you know most of them
1: yeah yeah I know I know that I know you're a lot more knowledgeable too about them than than I am I never got to see them live which I regret oh man big time. dude yeah
0: that what's interesting about them is they um there was a band called Suicide King that was before Lagratona that was um technically I mean technically it was I don't know. It's really weird how this this band kind of came out of the, the genesis, like the amalgamation of three fairly popular local Boston bands, uh, Eye for an Eye and right. um, Slaughter Shack and Wrecking Crew. It was like right. those three bands, the members were in different, you know. Colin, the singer, was in this band called Slaughter Shack, which is a band that's like way ahead of its time like they they were like I, I the conversations out there actually that white zombie actually ripped off uh, slaughter shack and um oh interesting okay. yeah yeah because not not so much would people know white zombie as but there is a whole career that career but a few year period where white zombie in the beginning were not what they are were thought of later on in the 90s. They were this kind of more evil sounding, like doom, noise, heavy metal kind of thing. And um they have a record called Make Them Die Slowly. And uh, right. this kid that I went to high school with actually played guitar on that record. And I remember running into oh, him really? one day and he was, I'm like, oh, what are you up to, man? He had like mad, like long hair and fucking big sneakers and shit. He's like, oh, I'm playing in this band called White Zombie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right on. Sounds cool, you know. <laughs> but it turns out that, like, like, Slaughter Shack would do shows with White Zombie in that era down in New York, you know, and I think, I have to say that the similarity is, like, I feel like Slaughter Shack was an influence on them, because, man, those guys were just on some other shit, because, you know, I know Colin really well, the singer in Laguatona and White Zombie, and he, well, Laguatona and Slaughter Shack, rather, he... Was like uh, from D.C. He was like into like really artsy shit. You know, he went to art school and, you know, his approach wasn't like a heavy metal approach. And then he's in this band with these straight up like Hessian like guys. So it had this like very unique sound to it. And man, I I don't even know if the the Slaughter Shack stuff is out there anywhere, man. It should be out there for sure. And, you know, maybe... I know they, they released some, like, 7 Inches and things like that and some demos, and that would be cool, if, you know, if that stuff was out there for the the general public to check out because they were an amazing band, you know? And then... Um, I never even heard... I got to check them out. Oh, I man. I never even I know the name. I know the name. But I've never heard them. It, they're so obscure that it's almost like you might not even be worth, like, trying to find any anything about them, but... I I would love is your only bet, but they should be. They should be a band that people are like, oh yeah, man, classic band, you know, Slaughter Shack, like right. But the funny thing about them is there was there's always been this like, the Boston the 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 WBCN rock and roll rumble curse, that uh, in the '80s was like a thing because like WBCN this local rock and roll station in Boston had this battle of the bands every year and it was like this big thing. And if you won, it was almost like you were doomed to, to fail like in the bigger picture. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It was like, by well, yeah, great, we won. We got all this free shit, we got studio time, like whatever, you know, they're writing about us in the paper, you know, it was great. But it's, without fail, all the bands that won shortly disbanded after winning. And, and, and um, Slaughter Shack was one of those bands, they actually won. I remember seeing them at that WBCN Rock and Roll Rumble, and they won, and they never really went anywhere after that. And uh, yeah, it was like weird, you know? Yeah, I I only heard the name. I didn't know who they were,
1: never seen them, never heard of, but I was a big fan of, of both Wrecking Crew and Eye for an Eye, and yeah. I actually heard the name you know, Suicide Kings. I heard, oh, yeah, guys from Eye for an Eye have a new band. Yeah. But it's not like a hardcore band. It's like real dark and real evil. Yeah. And then I never, and I didn't think that band ever really materialized. And I didn't learn until years after that that turned into La Gritona.
0: Yeah, it was, they had a demo. And uh, the, the members on the demo were Dean Baltalonis, who is dubiously in both Eye for an Eye and Wrecking Crew, but kind of came in towards the end, you know, but... He's like one of those guys who gets a lot of, like, mileage out of being the guy who joined the band on the declining years, you know? And um, so there was Dean on guitar, Kevin Norton, who was the, uh, the bass player in Eye for an Eye, Taz right. Niles, drummer in Eye for an Eye, and uh, Dana Ambrose, who uh, was from Cleveland. And um, he later went on to, you know, obviously be in La Gratona and, and also was a member of Keel Hall. And he's got some other shit going on, right. too. And then Colin Burns from Slaughter Shack. And I have their demo. That was the the hit song on the demo is a song called 21. And I don't know. Look it up on YouTube, man. Maybe it's out there. Suicide okay. King 21. And then uh that I saw them play once, and I was like, this band's blowing my mind. It's like the fucking and then I realized it was the same guy from uh from uh, from Slaughter Shack, but he looked way different. Like in Slaughter Shack. He had this like kind of long, like Axl Rose hair. And he kind of had that like look, you know, and like real, real heavy metal kind of look. And then in uh, in, La- in Suicide King slash La he had just like short hair, like crew cut, you know, like very Rollins, like very like no shirt, you know, shorts kind of thing. And the band right. had that kind of like the band really was, and this applies to La Gratona, was like a noise rock Rollins band, really. You know.
1: Sounds good to me.
0: That's how I would describe <laughs> them, you know, and it was like very much like that kind of thing. And then La Gratona was like just like unstoppable live. And one of the things about them was that they had that like that, that vibe, this like dangerous kind of thing going on. And the music was like incredibly well played and drew from all these different angles. You know, like I said, Rollins Band. I know all those guys are fans of that, you know, Rollins Band. Um, And then, uh, you know, stuff like Unsane and the Jesus Lizard and the Birthday Party. And and I know after becoming really good friends with Taz, the drummer, he was, like, a huge, like, hip-hop fan. So there was – there would be these, like, little, like, kind of urban beats in the songs, too. You know, these kind of, like (laughs) – like, almost like funky beats, which in the 90s was like kind of a thing. Because if you think about, you know, Low Self Opinion by the Rollins Band, there's like a funk groove in that song, you know? Sure,
1: so, yeah. So, yeah. That, that's my yeah. like
0: reflection on La Gratona, man. They're an amazing bands.
1: Well, see, that's why I wanted to bring up, as soon as we mentioned La Gratona, I knew we were just going to go off about La Gritona. So they are on the list. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, totally, man. We just, man. We just made our
1: own, carved in our own segments a of Loggertown.
0: Yeah, no, that's sick, <laughs> man. They're great. And, uh, you know, like I said, they, you know, people kind of missed the boat on them because they came at a really weird time, too. And it's like right tying it into Dead Guy, too. Because, I mean, if they had came a couple of years later when Dead Guy had released, because there was that year, I felt like there was a year when really noisy, abrasive stuff was like, really stylish you know you know like when the dead guy uh, fixation record came out that kicked off this right. whole thing for like that lasted for like 18 months where people were into like that style of music like you would see dead guy and there'd be like 100 people there you know
1: yeah right right
0: if lagratona had been around at that point they would have been a band that people cite as as an influence you know what i mean if, if just
1: a disclaimer, if anyone out there doesn't really know much about the scene that me and Mike came up in, or are talking about a hundred people on a shows a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're talking Back about then. yeah, we we're, we're talking about like DIY, like you know, kind of small shows, obviously. Right. You know. Right. Or, you know, but but yeah, I think that. La Gritona would have been one of those bands that was in that conversation of, oh yeah, you know, Dead Guy, La Gratona, Kiss Goodbye, like all that stuff, you know? Dillinger Escape Plane. Right, uh,
1: you know, to bring it back to Glazed Baby, I mean, even with a name like Glazed Baby, like you're kind of alienating people right away. You know, people probably have their preconceived notions of what it is, but uh, I think Glazed Baby was just a completely original, like, you know, they definitely had the noise rock thing going on for sure. I mean, if you had to throw a label on it, I guess you'd throw that on it. Um, but you know They were on a label A subsidiary I believe of Sony At the time Called Red Decibel Do you remember that label?
0: Yeah I know The guy who ran it actually And uh, it was I don't know if I think Yeah for like Because of Season Season to Risk They got something Going on with us With like a big label Like that Because Season to Risk Was on right. Red Decibel
1: When I do cable interviews I always bring them up As an influence On the band Because they were A big influence on us um it was just uh it blew up all our minds kind of at the time uh their two records uh their two two full lengths they had on red decibel were a uh, karmic debt in 1994 and atomic communist in 1995 i think that's like the pinnacle of that band they did a, uh their final record was in 1999 called ancient chinese secret and that was on atomic action the label that released their uh some of their early seven inches they also had a seven inch on allied recordings which we've brought up a bunch of times on this podcast yeah um so yeah you know they're but they're another band they have a active band camp they're not an active band anymore but they have an active band camp with all their music on it and you can still go to uh atomic action records i think still have some cd copies of their their final album which is worth checking out um yeah Glaze Baby from new Bedford mass uh definitely an underrated band that people need to uh check out
0: so my my next uh couple bands are their newer bands one of them uh, has been on the show uh a while back last year and uh that's a band called all hell and uh they're um you know they're relatively new they formed in in 2013 they're from Asheville North Carolina and if I were to describe them, for those of you out there who are not familiar with these guys, they would be Venom, Samhain, Misfits, uh, just that sleazy black metal kind of sound, you know, like very punk sounding black metal with a, a heavy lean into horror and the occult. And, uh, it's, hits all the boxes and stuff that I like, you know? So yeah, it's a pretty awesome band, um, you know their their latest record, the the Witch's Grail, uh, is great. It came out on Prosthetic. I mean, most of their their LPs are mostly on Prosthetic. They have uh, that's a great record. Then the one before that, the Grave Alchemist, is awesome too. And um, yeah, I would definitely uh, check them out. Um, also, you can listen to the interview um, that I did with it with the the entire band actually. Uh, they were playing in Brooklyn. They're on tour at Ringworm, which is a great. That's a, that's all. It was a great show, by the way. It was like ringworm and all hell. And, uh, yeah. Got a chance to catch up with those guys and just talk about horror movies and all that kind of cool stuff. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, did you just say they're from North Carolina?
0: Yeah. Asheville.
1: Yeah. And you guys, didn't Tombs play with them? Uh, some days in the south or something that's how you met those guys right or am I wrong
0: about that no no we did yes I failed to mention that but uh, yeah we played um, a string of dates with them Uh, one of them was in Asheville and uh, one of them the whole it was the the dates were set up around uh, this festival down in in Atlanta that we were we both played and it had some connection to uh, the satanic temple down there and uh after After our set, there is this like black mass and all this kind of stuff it was uh it was uh very interesting
1: yeah, I thought I remember you bringing up that you had played with that band on that run of shows and that they you know they were really cool, really good guys and stuff and uh I thought uh there was a connection there um and you said they're on prosthetic right' so that stuff's pretty easy to
0: come by. Yeah, I hope to do more dates with them at some point, and yes, they are in prosthetic, and that's a big, pretty big label, so you can find that stuff pretty much anywhere. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um,
1: I got. Uh, guess what? I got another old band, Mike. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I seem to be heavy on the old bands here. Uh, the band Craw from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, active from... 1990 to around 2002, uh, sadly not active anymore, although they played a few reunion shows maybe four years ago or so. Um, I know you went to the one in New York. Yeah, it's was, it was cool. Uh, and it's also a tie-in to uh, not this show, but your other podcast, Everything Went Black. I believe you had uh, the guy on there, Hank Steamer, oh, yeah. who was mm-hmm. responsible yep. for doing the reissues for them, correct? Yeah.
0: That's a valiant undertaking, man, because uh, you know, Crawl yeah. though, though a great band is very obscure. And um Yes. It's not it's not you have to have more than an entry level uh knowledge of music to really get into that band. And um yeah, but Hank released their full discography on vinyl, like this incredible like box set. And I had him and uh and Dave from the band actually. Um on the show on everything went black like know I, how what, like 5 6 years ago at this point maybe even longer than that and uh, yeah it was like right before that show and um yeah they're 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 in that same vibe as like you know Clay's baby La Gratona you know Craw would be in that same right. sort of thing and and uh, Will Scharf um, also was the second drummer in Craw, and he went on to form Hall later on. And Will also played an Unsane briefly, too. Right. Um,
1: Yeah, just an incredibly underappreciated... I mean, probably of all the bands, uh, at least I've mentioned so far, to me, Craw's the most underappreciated band. Uh, They're just so incredible. The, uh, The music is so, like... I mean... You know, it has that noise rock kind of vibe like we've been talking about. But with the musicianship of the band and the songwriting uh, is so is so out there. <laughs> it's so insane. It's like, it's hard to explain to people. And I can see why it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. You know, it's not like this ac- accessible music. Uh, you really got to think about it a little bit. and Kind of take it in. My introdu- introduction to them was the, the 1994 album Lost Nation Road which came out on Choke Records, once again, one of those labels, you know, I I just don't know anything about that label. (laughs) Choke Records. Like, I don't know much about it, like what they put out besides Craw. I'm not really aware of, you know. Um, But not only was that my introduction to the band Craw, but that was also my introduction to the artwork of Derek Hess. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I always make an automatic connection to Craw and seeing all those posters he did back in the day, Craw was on a lot of those posters, you know. Um, I have one hanging in my hall upstairs with uh Isis, uh, I believe it's Isis Craw in uh some band called Anodyne.
0: Yeah, was, I don't think we played that show though. Be. We didn't play that show, you
1: didn't? no, we didn't. We <laughs> well, th- dude, you got a cool Hess poster, yeah, there, I know. know, man.
0: It sucks. There was some, um extenuating circumstances that prevented us from being on that bill. And uh, that was a real drag. But, yeah, Derek Hess, I just uh, think of Cleveland when I think of him. man. I think about Cleveland music scene. Yeah. You know? Totally.
1: Totally. When, when I think of Hess and Craw, I think, I mean, when I think of Cleveland, I think of Craw and I think of Derek Hess. You I don't, know, I don't think of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or fucking any of that shit. Man. I, that's who I think of. Craw and Derek Hess is just embodies Cleveland to me um and what cable was out there in 2000 2000 we, we got to play with craw like it might have been one of their final shows before those were shows um they played as a four-piece um and one of the things with with craw, uh yeah there are a lot of these weird labels choke records and then in 1997 that monitor surge came out uh cambodia recordings
0: yeah that's well, uh again, chris I, chris from uh Kielhals label cambodia
1: okay all right yes but very small obscure label you know i but when their final album came out 2002 Bo- bodies for stromdium 90 that was released on hydra head records when hydra head was kind of king of the mountain you know and i thought now now is cross going to get their day in the sun man like the, the shit's going to come out on Hydrahead people are going to be blown away by this band and just, you know, it was going to be <laughs> straight to the top for them, but it, people still didn't get it. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. Cause like, like we were saying before though, it's like that, that that window of time passed by the time that record came out. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, yeah, you know, that I just think exposure. Was, yeah. A band that that's active right now that you can go out and buy records from and are still out there <laughs> playing shows is uh, this band called Atriarch, which is um, yes. another band that is like, they're on relapse. So you can get their stuff anywhere. And, um, right. you know, and they're, they don't necessarily get the, you know, the attention that say Pig Destroyer gets, you know what I mean? Like as far as like right. uh, name recognition. However, I think they're great. They're like one of my favorite fucking bands on the label that's active right now. And, um, you know, they're from Portland. Uh, The Max, the drummer, was in Final Conflict, as well as a bunch of other bands, like from that, you know, Southern California, like, you know, world. Um, Right. And they're like a very interesting mix of, uh, you know, gothic rock, death rock uh black metal you know in doom and it's like if you took like the swans and bauhaus and crossed them with bethlehem the black metal band from germany i think that's kind of like what atriarch you would get what atriarch sounds like i love
1: atriarch man i've been a fan of atriarch since the beginning uh of that, me you me know, finding out about that band for their first record, and uh, I love everything that band does. Um, they also, I believe, have a split with another really great band called Alaric.
0: Yep. Yes.
1: Who? Is another band that could be on the list.
0: Yeah. For <laughs> Sure. Yeah, they. That's um, uh, the guy from uh, um, the singer in that band was in Dead and Gone, which is another great band. That's you know, they're they they disbanded a, a while back at this point. But, incredible um, band. Yeah, they, they were on that, that tour that I keep talking about with uh Neurosis, I hate God, Dead and Gone. That was like the 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 pivotal point right. in my life tour, you know. That was and that's when I found out about Dead and Gone.
1: Yeah, I uh Cable played a show in uh, Joplin, Missouri. Uh, you it's a hotbed of music, as you can imagine. Joplin, Missouri. You gotta get out there, man. As soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> We played a show in 1996 uh, out there with Dead and Gone. Didn't know who they were, knew nothing about them. They were the headliner. We played right before them, and they blew us all away. They were absolutely incredible. They were touring for their first album, TV Baby, Mm -hmm. on Prank Records, and uh, I've been a major Dead and Gone fan ever since.
0: I would say there's two records for for Atriarch that's um, Forever the End, and uh, there's a song on there called Shadows that's really cool. And, um, that to me encapsulates the band and it's in its entirety really is that one song. It's like everything kind of springs from that. And then, um, their most recent record, uh, dead as truth is pretty awesome. And that's all, all available on relapse. Now,
1: have they ever been to the East coast? I know you've had, uh, them on, I
0: think it was on the everything with black. Lenny Lenny as a guest. Yeah. But, um, no, they haven't, actually. I oh, actually, no. Whoa, hold on. Hold on one second there, Jack. Yes, <laughs> they toured. They were, they've were. they been to the East Coast once, and um, there's actually okay. uh, a video of them performing live at St. Uh, at Vitus Bar, and uh, Scott Kelly's son is playing bass for them.
1: I remember that connection. All right, so were you on? Why were you not at that show? Were you on tour? I was on were tour. Because right? I missed yeah. them. I think they played a show in Providence, Rhode Island as well, which is, you know, a lot closer for me. And I didn't go either, but I I, I thought I remember hearing about that. I, I don't know why I didn't go. I probably was out of town, too. Um, but that's – and I know you've been. there's
0: been talk of uh, – I think you guys talk about it on the podcast. We uh, always talk about touring everything. together. Yeah, <laughs> It's just like never fucking That happened. needs to happen, dude. Yeah, that I, I think happen. it would be, That'd be great. a lot of fun to do that. And uh, I got a lot of respect for those guys because they – yeah, they just, they just do their thing, man. And their thing, you, they're a band, like, you know, you know, it's them. Like you can't, that that's, that's the thing. And it's a very hard thing to do creatively is to have crafts like your own sound. And it's like, I feel like they have, right. I feel like no one really sounds the way they do. I feel like Lenny's got a, like a very unique voice and they actually have had a couple of lineup changes over the years too, but it's, it still sounds this, like the band, you know? And uh,
1: yeah. Um yeah, it's good. The definitely original, man. It's a perfect melding of like that death rock, kinda of a little bit of doom in there, a little bit of black metal in there, man. It's really dark, really moody, really great stuff.
0: Yeah, we got a chance to um when they were recording that last, the one that Dead is truth, when that when they were recording that, I actually was in the was in the studio to hang with those guys for a minute because um we uh it was on the tour we did with um Darkest Hour. And we were in San Francisco, and uh, that's where they were recording. And, uh, you know, we were in town early, so we just swung by and hung out with those guys. And uh, I listened to some of the early tracks, some of the basic tracks for Dead Is Truth, and I was like, man, I can't wait for this record to be finished. And It was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, They should be due for another record, hopefully. I think that came out a while ago.
0: Yeah, it came out. Yeah, it's been a minute since that record came out, you know. I picked that up from talking to Kevin Sharp when uh, I was asking him, <laughs> when I was in the interview with Kevin Sharp. I was asking him like uh, about the the artwork because he does all the artwork for that for you know Venomous Concept and all that. And yeah, you know, he's like, well, you know, I actually made the, made the artwork a while ago, and I'm like, how long ago? You because know, it's it's very relevant, like the whole concept of that new album. It's like you know a minute ago, and I'm like, how long ago? A minute. Like he wouldn't fucking tell. (laughs) It's like it's always just, yeah. We did that a minute ago, and I was like, "All right, I'll I'll leave it at that, I guess." (laughs) That
1: was a good interview. I just listened to that.
0: (laughs) That went way better than I thought it was gonna go, man. I, I, not like nothing on anybody, but you know, sometimes we gotta talk on the phone. It's weird, so it's, and I don't really know him at all. So, uh, you know, it can go one or two ways, and it went really well. I thought. So that's uh, that's it, man. That's all we got. But, yeah, thanks, uh, Randy, for contributing your uh, take on this effort we put forth this week. Yeah, man. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. (laughs) That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.